God, we love You. We need You this morning. Thank You for Your faithfulness. Thank You for Your goodness. Thank You, Jesus, that You died for the ungodly, Lord. We need You in this place. Give us Your presence, God. Help me do my best to get out of Your way, God. Use me as an instrument in Your hand. May I preach Your Word clearly and boldly, unashamedly, as I ought to, Father. I just ask for Your anointing, Your unction, and Your power, Lord. Nothing more, nothing less. Anoint the ears in this place. Awaken spiritual ears and eyes. Encourage the saints. I pray if there be lost in this place this morning, Lord, that You'd pursue their heart unto salvation. Anoint the testimony, Lord. Just give us of Yourself. We'll give You all the glory, all the praise, and all God's people said, Amen. God is so good, Amen. I am so thankful to be able to come and sing those songs this morning. I'm thankful I can come and worship Him in spirit and in truth. I was thinking after last week, uh, you know, if you were here, you heard um, we preached on praise and worship. I was thinking, you know, when I was in the world, none of the men were afraid to praise and worship then. We used to go to concerts and all the men were going wild and mosh pits and it's crazy. I was thinking about it. Nobody was afraid or embarrassed to praise. Nobody was. And I thought, man, that's that's the same attitude that the church must take on, that we are not afraid to worship our God in spirit and in truth. Amen. I'm thankful this morning that Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. I'm thankful that Christ died for the wicked. That's me. I'm thankful that Jesus Christ died for the unworthy. Can I tell you this morning, that is me. I am so thankful that Jesus Christ changed my life. God has put it on my heart. Many of you have heard my testimony a lot of times. And and I'm going to share it again right now. And God has put it on my heart. I I can never get away from it. And God has just placed it on my life to share my testimony. It's a part of my ministry. You remember when Jesus... um, Do you remember when there was a man named Legion who had the demons? So many demons possessed in him that their name was Legion. And do you remember when um, Jesus set him free and... Um, the town, they all came and saw him sitting there in his right mind with clothes on and he was at the feet of Jesus. And do you remember that man? Did you know that that man, he said he wanted to go and follow Jesus. And you know what Jesus told him? Jesus said, no. He said, go and tell everyone the great things that God has done for you. I remember hearing Danny and Rhonda tell a story. Did you, I, I had heard it's um, in church history records that that man went and became the first evangelist by Jesus went and told everything, everybody, everything, the great things that God had done for him and started a large church. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you this morning simply the great things that God has done for me. I was raised here in town. I went to church when I was younger and something happened in my life. There was five of us Sears kids, Shauna, Branson, Brady, Brian, Shanae, and I was 10 at the time and Something devastated my family. Um, my family and home life would never be the same. And something devastating happened to my family. And as a result of what took place, which is something that was, most of you actually in here have no idea what it is, something happened very, very seriously. And my parents had to get a divorce. And I want to say this. Divorce is not to be taken lightly. It will alter the lives of generations and generations and so many lives. And 
hey, if you're in here and God has saved you and changed you, do not be, um, I'm not here to discourage or to get, condemn. What I am saying is this. What God has put together, let no man separate. If God's changed you and forgiven you, hallelujah, I just want to say, it affects so many lives. And my life was affected. And as I grew older, uh, I had a stepfather in the home. And I became, I personally became very, very angry. Uh, before, I was always, I'd been homeschooled and gone to Christian schools. Went to Derby Christian School and went to Sunrise. I homeschooled for two years. And... Um, the, my father before was in the largest ministry. It's the largest church in the city of Wichita. And he was a part of that ministry. So I always had been to church. I remember growing up, seeing the puppet shows, hearing all the scriptures, learning the Romans Road. How many of you guys remember the Romans Road? Did you grow up to that? Just me. Okay. Nobody in here. One. Give me one. Boom. Two, three, four. Hey, where are you guys at? Hands up next time. And, and I remember learning those things, and I remember learning of God's word, and, and learning about all His love. And, and when they when there was a split, we we left and went to a different church. And over the years, I just began to get in trouble all the time. I I didn't realize it at the time, but I look back now, and I was very very angry, hurt. I was broken. I got pulled out of school. I started to get in fights all the time. Uh, and I mean all the time. And I just got pulled out of school. And it got worse and worse and worse. And eventually there was no peace in the home. Um, and the church we went to, it was here in town, still here in town, which is why I don't give you the name of it. It was a different church. And it was here in Derby. And it was so awful. You know, everybody it was all about the self-righteous becoming more righteous. I never experienced God's love. I never seen anybody get saved. I want to say this. I've seen a lot of people go to altars. I've seen a lot of us go to camp and everybody get emotional and make decisions. And, and it was about how awesome we were. And I can honestly say, and I don't mean this mean, and I'm not the judge, I'm not the Holy Spirit. But if you look back on all those people and all those families, almost all of them don't go to church anymore. And they're not living for God. A lot of them reject Jesus Christ totally now. And a lot of it is from their past religious experience, from basically going to church with the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees. And I, I was personally burned by church. When I moved out, there was no peace in the home. I had to move out when I was 17 years old. Um, there was no peace in the home. Uh, I was just, uh, there was just stuff going on. I had to get out and I, I moved in and, and lived with my old grandma. Uh, bless her heart, passed away a few years ago. But I lived there with her and basically I had nobody telling me what to do. She was legally blind, kind of needed me to help take care of her, and she took care of me too. And But I basically had nobody telling me what to do. And I went from uh, anger and bitterness to turning that into drugs and drinking and alcohol and, and uh, just got real, real heavy into drugs. And I never go into detail in that. I've heard so many people over the years... Uh, not here, but I've just heard people over the years always share their testimony. It's like they brag about how bad they were and how much they did. And then, oh, yeah, God changed my life. Uh, in my opinion, a lot of times they're just bragging on everything they did in the past. I was telling Rick Flyock last night, my story, what I did and who I was, I was so much worse. And it was so much hardcore and it was so much darker than what you think. I promise you that. It was awful. 
Um, I've been arrested. I, I think I was trying to count the other day. I think I've been arrested five times. I was, I was insane. I was insane, and my heavy, heavy drug use was so bad and so dark for so long. I, I can honestly say I hated myself. And over the years, I had always kind of thought that I was a Christian because what I was taught being raised with all those scriptures, which are great, I'm thankful for being taught the Romans Road. I'm thankful for being taught all that. God has used all that in my life. I'm thankful I know all the books of the Bible. I'm thankful I can quote Psalm 23 and Psalm 100. I'm thankful for that. But I do want to say this. I always believed I was saved that whole time even though that my Bible looked totally contrary to what we see, uh, the life of someone who was born again. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. I thought I was always saved because I believed in Jesus and I said a prayer. And I remember going forward one time at camp. I was real convicted. And I said to my counselor, and I, this, never, this has always kind of stuck with me. I said to my counselor, you know what? I don't think I've ever been saved. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever really met him. And I remember this response he told me. I've never forgotten it. He said, well, Branson, don't question your salvation. Did you say a prayer when you were young? I said, yeah. He said, did you mean it with all your heart? I said, yeah. He said, well, don't ever question your salvation. And I'm not here this morning to give you my stance on whether you can lose your salvation or whether there's eternal security. There's many that believe in both sides, and I'm not even going to share with you what side I believe. But I will say this, one thing that both sides agree on, eternal security and people who believe you can lose your salvation, one side that they both agree on is someone who is saved and born again lives like a child of God. Hey, listen, that's the important thing. That's what we can come together on. I know for a, I know for a fact there's people in this church that I'm friends with, my boss who's a solid Christian, I disagree with him on that very issue. And I say it does not matter. We come together on what really matters. A child of God lives like a child of God. Born again. The word repent. The, the word repent means to turn around and go the other way. You can't say, you can't be walking with the world, walking in darkness. Oh, Jesus, I believe in you. I say a prayer. You're still going the same way. Repentance isn't just something that you say and do it. Hey, I believe this. A prayer comes along with it. It does. There is a prayer. I believe in that. There is a cry out to God. There is a believing in Jesus, yes, that must take place. But many in our day believe in Jesus, say a prayer, and never repent. They keep walking straight towards hell. I was doing that, and the guy said, Branson, don't question. Didn't you say that right stuff? Keep going. That's terrifying to me. That's terrifying that somebody told me, a counselor to camp, that not to worry about it. If I'd have died on the way home, I'd be burning in hell right now, screaming, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Lord, Lord, didn't I say a prayer? Lord, Lord, didn't I believe in Jesus? He'd say, Branson, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew him. My life spoke to who is my king. My life spoke to who was my master. And I, uh, I continued to live the way I did. I, that was what I always believed. I believed that I was saved because I said a prayer and Listen, I want to say this. Yes, you can believe in a Jesus. You must give him your life. Lots of Judas Iscariot, he believed in Jesus. I mean, I haven't seen Jesus face to face. Judas did. He believed, he believed in Jesus. He knew who he was. Listen, they never repented. It's more than knowing who he is. It's more than believing that he exists. It's more than that. It's more than just saying a prayer. 
It's a matter of dying unto self. And I continued in my life. I continued in my drunkenness. And I always thought, well, if, I, if it's okay, Branson, if you die, then at least you're going to heaven. If you commit suicide, at least you'll go to heaven. And I hated myself. And I remember uh, one time I was, in, uh, I was in the gym here in Derby. And I was, I was, 20, uh, I was 25. I remembered, in fact, I just talked to this guy the other day on the phone. I hadn't talked to him in a few years. He called me out of the blue and didn't sound like he was doing too well. Um, but my buddy, um, I remember I used to tell him, like when I was 20, 21, 22, we'd be up late. I told him I would never live to be past 25. I just knew it in my heart. I didn't know why. And I say that to say this. When I was 25, I was almost 26, and I met, I met Joplin in the gym. And I just remembered his name because he's Joplin and I'm Branson. And... Um, he invited me to church. And the, remember the church that I told you that I hated? That was the religious fakes? It was this same building. Different church. But they were in this building right here. So in my teenage years, I grew up in this exact same building. I say that because he invited me to church, and a few months later, I, I, that's how I knew where it was. Because he was like, oh, we're from Crossway in that building. He said, do you know where that's at? I was thinking, yeah, I know where that's at. And October 21st, 2007, I was going to go to church with Hannah. She was my girlfriend at the time. And we were going to go to her family's church over in Hayesville. And I woke up on October 21st, 2007. And I remember still that morning, I'd been real drunk the night before. And my alarm went off. She had to come pick me up. I didn't have a license at the time. I was on probation. And I remember... Then my alarm went off and I leaned forward in my bed. And I remember as I leaned forward in my bed, something spoke to me and just simply said, as I leaned forward, it was just like I got up, something inside me goes, Joplin. And I'm like, that's really, I just thought to myself, that's weird. Why would I think of this guy I met one time a long time ago? Didn't think anything of it. Got dressed. Hannah came and picked me up. We go to Hayesville. We get there. And I had a Gatorade in my hand because I'd been drunk the night before. And I walk in. I'm like three feet in the door. And the first thing, and I, I know how church people are supposed to treat me. And I'm expecting a handshake and, you know, good to have you, visitor. And what I uh, assume to be, you know, a bunch of weak people doing a bunch of stupid stuff. And I was waiting for that. And the first thing a guy said was, hey, hey, we don't bring drinks in here. And I thought, this is why I hate church and church people. And something else happened with Hannah and her family and uh, didn't exactly feel real welcome that morning. And by the way, visitors, I hope you feel welcome here in this place. I hope you do, because you are. You are very welcome. And um, anyways, we ended up leaving. We left. It was a strange morning. I mean, I never went to church. Um, not anymore. I mean, it was just weird. And I remember we were driving back to Derby and and I was kind of mad. It was like 15 till, and I was like, I'm dressed. I'm going to church. We're going somewhere. And I started thinking about how I thought of Joplin that morning. I was like, man, that was weird. So I was like, well, well let's go. So we go, and we pull in, and I, I walk in the front door. I almost left when I got, I got to this door right here that's facing the football field. We parked over here. I almost left when we got here. I was like, man, I just can't take it. I hate this place. I hate this building. I just remembered being spoken to, maybe. I can't remember. Maybe it was just a thought. I remember thinking, man, it's just a building. You know, a church is a body. You know, a church is people. 
This is just a building. If this thing burns down, we'll still have a church next week. Amen. And I remember coming in here and sitting uh, like maybe where Jardine, raise your hand. Stand up and spin around. I'm joking. I knew he didn't want to do that. I just thought I'd call him out. Where he's sitting is where I came in and sat. And there was a special singing group singing to the audience that day. So they didn't have a worship band. Um, I walk around so much, I almost tip over, amen? But there's a, there's a special singing group singing to the audience that day. And I just came and sat in the back. And I remember when I sat down, I was spoken to again. And this was very clear when I say spoken to. That morning, I was spoken to on the inside. I just spoken to somewhere inside of here. When I sat down, something spoke to me and said, God has brought you to this pew today for a reason. And I thought, well, that's, this is weird. This is really weird how I was spoken to then, I was spoken to now. It's really weird how I ended up here. This is kind of crazy. And I remember Joplin came up to preach. And he said, I'm supposed to finish the series today on Nehemiah. But God spoke to me last night. He said, one in five times has God ever spoke to me this powerful. God told me last night to change the sermon. And that was, I'm not going to lie, when he said that, I think I had chills all over my body. I thought to myself, this is getting really, really ghostly weird. And I say that because at the time, I know now what it was. I'm just walking you through what I was thinking at the time. At the time, I was kind of thinking there was something ghostly about it. I kind of thought that there was maybe even a a ghost. I I don't know, okay? I was weirded out. And I remember sitting there, and when he said that, and he went and he began to preach. And for some reason that day, sometimes we get down here and walk. But I remember that day when he was preaching. Everything he said was almost just right to me. When I say that, I heard about Jesus. I knew all that. But it was like I was really blunt before and angry. It was like everything he said, every wall that came up and said, what about this and what about this? It was like everything he said, if it was a wall, if I put a concrete wall up, I felt like something just totally smashed and crushed it. And there I was having to face the light. And then I'd throw up another wall. And he'd just keep preaching and keep going. And it was like it was exactly towards me. Sometimes we come down here and walk. I promise you, I've never seen him do it again since that day. That day, I was sitting where Jared's at, and I remember he walked in God's ministry. He walked and he stood here and preached. Have you guys, have you guys ever seen Joplin walk down this far? I haven't. But that day, he did. And I remember standing there. I remember him standing there and thinking, go back to the stage. <laughs> That's what Jared's thinking. And I just remember knowing I was brought here to hear from God. And I remember feeling something I'd never felt being in church for 16 years, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, missions conference, youth camps, church, 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 my entire life. I felt something that one moment, that instant, that day, I've never felt being in church for years and years. It was the presence of God. There's a lot of church going on. There's a lot of religion going on with no God. promise you that. Happens everywhere. All the time. I don't say that mean. I don't say that to tear anybody down. I've experienced it. I lived it. I know it. It happens. And, and I remember that day, everything just continued speaking to me, continued talking to me. And, and I remembered just, I couldn't move. It's like I could feel a pin drop in my spirit and my soul. I was so still. And I remember that day, a man stood up while he's preaching. And Joppa just stopped preaching and pointed at him. He's over here somewhere. And the guy was crying. I don't even know who the guy is. He didn't go to church here anymore. It was a long, this was almost seven years ago this year. 
The guy stood up, was crying, and said, Joplin, Pastor, I see, I don't know if he said it was a dream or a vision, or if it was just a thought. He said, I see Jesus. I'm at the foot of the cross. Jesus is on the cross. Jesus is bleeding. He's at the foot of the cross and the blood was dripping down on him. He said Jesus was covered in blood and Jesus' eyes were battered. He said he was crying and he said he looked to the Lord and said, Lord, what can I do? And he said Jesus opened, barely opened one of his beaten eyes, barely looked at him and said, do your part. When he said that, that hit me to the bone. I just got chills when I told it to you. I remember that hit me to the bone and I realized God has always loved me. He brought me here that day, October 21st, 2007, to say, Branson, I haven't given up on you and I still love you. And I realized instantly all that I knew, the prayers, knowing, knowing, I remember all that. I hadn't done my part. I didn't have to run from my family. I didn't have to abandon my brothers and sisters. I could have been there. I could have done so much. I chose to be selfish and go and do what Branson wanted because Branson was the king of Branson's life, not Jesus Christ. And my life spoke it each and every day who was my Lord. My life spoke to who was my master. And I just remember that day, and I was with Hannah, and we were sat back there, and I didn't know anybody in this place. And I remember he did the altar call. And I remember that we, I just remember standing there, and I remember thinking, don't give it all up. What a ball and chain. Who wants to go to church? I knew the right things to do. I knew I was supposed to be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I knew I was supposed to live for Christ and pray, read my Bible. I thought, that sounds so lame. I was somebody who needed to be look tough. A Christian, man, those people are weak. Christians are weak. Well, I don't want to be that. Don't give it all up. What a ball and chain to serve God. And I remember the other part of me said, Branson, you hate yourself. You've gotten so crazy and so out of whack. Slowly over the years, nobody wants to be around you anymore. Some of you heard Annalise's testimony a few weeks ago. They didn't want me in their house anymore. Is she in here? Annalise and Matt, they're there. They didn't want me in their house anymore. And they loved me. I've known Matt since I was five years old. I've known Matt for a long time. Matt cares about me. He's my friend. He loves me. Love you too, buddy. They didn't want me in their house anymore. They didn't want me around. It got to that where that's how everybody felt, kind of. I knew it was bad when even... I knew it was bad when I went to the drug dealer's house. And this guy had... I'm not talking about a little drug dealer. I'm talking about this guy had lots and lots and lots of hard stuff. I remember thinking I was kind of doing pretty bad when this guy told me, dude, you need to slow down. You're going to overdo it. I remember thinking... Dude, you are a drug dealer. I just remember thinking, maybe I am a little wild. But that's where I was. And part of me said, Branson, don't give it all up. The other part said, Branson, you hate yourself. You hate your life. None of the fighting, none of the drinks, none of the drugs. Nothing you've done has ever changed anything. Nothing you've given yourself has changed anything. You've tried to fill, you've tried to fill, you've tried to fight, you've done this, you've done that. It has never changed anything. You hate yourself and you've almost hung yourself. And I remember that day having that battle, standing there. And I just and I remembered I even remembered standing there, dude, you've been baptized four times. Dude, you've gone to an altar before. Dude, you've cried and said this before. And I just remember something different happened that day. I remember 
standing there in that pew. I don't know if I got saved in the pew, if I got saved walking up here, if I got saved at the altar. But something in me said, that's it. And I stepped out of my pew. I walked up here. I knelt down. And I didn't know anybody in this place. And can I tell you, I cried. I, I always use the heavenly, the scriptural word wept. Hannah always laughs at me because I say that word wept. But man, I wept bitterly. I hunched over this altar and cried like I never cried before. Probably, you could have probably filled the Mississippi with my tears that day. You know when you cry real hard and you're spitting and drooling all over the place? And man, I was crying. And I, I, I just remember something deep inside of me. I really wasn't sure. But something inside of me, I can't really remember saying a prayer or saying anything out loud. I couldn't speak. I was hunched over, body shaking, crying. And I just knew this. I knew that God loved me. I knew He brought me here to tell me that. I knew He brought me here to say, Branson, I'm not here to show you who and what you're not, as religion has always done. I'm here to show you who I am, that I still love you, I forgive you, and I brought you here today to save you. I, I remember in my heart something deep inside saying somewhere, I don't have much left, but God, what I have, my life is yours. <laughs> I got nothing left. I don't have a license. I got nothing to offer you. But what I have left, my life is yours. And I remember getting up. The, I remember standing up. And I remember the ball and the chain and the burden as I arose spiritually just came off of me. I remember the old Branson died on the spot. Remember I told you I'd never lived to be past 25? That prophecy was true. I died at the age of 25. For I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live by the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. The old Branson died on the spot. I have been regenerated. I stood up with new life. I'm born of spirit. I'm born again. I've never been the same since. And Jesus Christ said, go and tell everybody, Branson, the great things that God has done for you. I've never been the same since. Jesus Christ saved me and changed my life. I remember going back to the, uh, to the pew and Hannah was gone and I thought maybe she just got weirded out and left. And She was up here. And she got saved. We left here and 58 days later, we got married. I said, if we're going to do this thing, we're going to do this stinking thing right. Amen. Ain't messing around no more. Living for Jesus Christ. We got married two months, 58 days later. God's blessed us. God's provided for us. God has been so good to us. I've got a, fat, a beautiful wife and a beautiful kids. And God's just been so good. I was thinking the other day, Hannah and her kids just this, just this week, um, they went to Lake Afton with her mom and spent the night out there. So I was home alone. I tried to stay busy and not be idle. So I went and worked out and ran and made it to the point where basically I got home and I was alone. I couldn't do anything but just fall on the couch. And I remember sitting there and it was quiet. And I was alone. And I remembered sitting there thinking, oh yeah. You know, it's, it's been almost seven years since that happened. But if I was to be honest, I kind of forgot what it was like to not be saved. And I remembered sitting there at the house and I remembered for a moment. I remember how I used to be alone all the time. It was just me. Sure, I'd go see the drug dealers or go hang out. And I was friends with them. They were my friends. We hung out. and I remember driving all over and I'd be up for two or three days, but it was just me. I was alone. I'd be in my room alone with one, two, three, four, five, six into the next day. To the next afternoon, it was just me alone, closed up in a garage, closed up in a bedroom. Nobody wanted to be around me anymore. Just me doing drugs. 
And I remembered, I remembered in that moment how alone I was. And I just began to thank God that He came and, and changed me. I just remembered to thank God, You've given me so much. I began to look back and say, Man, Lord, You've never let me go in seven years. You've never left my side. You've been right here next to me this whole time. You've never let me go. Thank You, Lord. Thank You for a wife that You gave me, a partner in life. Thank you for my children. I went and looked in their rooms and I just, <laughs> I just smelled Braylon's pillow. <laughs> I know, I'm weird, right? I just went and looked in the rooms and I went in Hattie's room and smelled her blanket. I just walked around and I just thought how good God has been to me. How much He's placed in my life. Uh, I, I, that I'm not alone anymore. And you know what? Hey, you look at... Things happen, life happens, but I know this. I'll never be alone. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's with me. Thank God. Amen. Amen. This sermon, it is almost time to close. I'm going to go briefly through this. It goes right along with my testimony. I want to give you the Word of God this morning. I promise it won't be long. The Bible says in John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verse 29, the Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 29, the Bible says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 35. Again, the next day John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Can I tell you, I'm thankful for somebody in my life. Joplin Emerson. I'm thankful that somebody invited me to church that day. John the Baptist pointed and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Our lives need to be speaking, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, that can happen in so many different ways. The Bible says, He who is wise wins souls. Church, we have a responsibility to be beholding, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's people out there like me who are in the gym they don't think they're looking for it, but they need God. There's people around you. God has placed around you. You may not think it. They may not even know it. But they need God. They need to be born again. They need to be saved. And your life, your actions, and your attitude speaks. It shines. And it ought to point towards Jesus Christ. We need to be telling people. I'm afraid the church of today, I read this, somebody wrote a, a quote by Vance Havner. Um, it was the par- Mr. Parsons. I saw it on Facebook and he put a quote by Vance Havner. It, it said this. It said, the church of today has become a buffet for Christians while everybody else is starving to death. We've got so many, so much of the church today. And I'm, listen, I'm not putting down teaching at all. I'm not against Christian radio Christian radio, bot radio, the men on that have deeply ministered to me. God has used that to teach me and teach me and teach me and teach me. I want to say this though, church. Jesus was a preacher of righteousness. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. All those men and all the the Church of America, I've always thought this to myself, these are head pastors. I'm not diminishing teaching. God has called it. We need teaching. But you don't teach to the lost. You teach to the kids in school. 
Preaching is going and telling them there is a school. We are called to preach. We are called to tell them of the Gospel. I've never turned off the Christian radio in almost seven years. I've never turned it off and thought, man, I wish my Christian, I wish my lost friends and family could have heard that. I'm always thinking, man, I wish, I, I wish Hannah could have heard this teaching. I, I, I wish Jesse, I wish you could have heard this teaching. It was so good. It ministered to me. And it did. And it was of God. But these are head pastors. And all they do is teach. I'm telling you, I said that, that phrase, the church has become a buffet where just the, the saints just continue to get richer. The saints continue to get encouraged. And we want to be. We need to be getting encouraged. But what about the lost? What about those people that need Jesus Christ? We need to be preaching, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm telling you, this lost and dying world, people need it. They need to see it. They need to hear it from you and your life and your light and your attitude. Church, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. I'm here to tell you this morning, my testimony spoke of it. And listen, many of you could stand up. Many, many of you could stand up and say the same thing. Hallelujah. Listen, He still saves. He still forgives. He's still in the life-changing business. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 37, And the two disciples heard Him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? Some of you may remember, I've preached the sermon here one time three or four years ago. But that phrase always stuck with me. What do you seek? You know, often I've seen this. Often even before my own life, I believe I came to a place where I did seek God. And I believe there's places in my life where I came to Christ. I came to Him. And He said, what do you seek? Isn't that a question that Jesus said to them? A lot of people come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, I've got these problems. God, change this. God, change this. God, change this. God, here's my mess and I don't know what to do. God, I'll give it all to you. You can have it all except for me. God, change my problems. Change this. They want God to do and God to give. And God to do this thing. And God to do that thing. Jesus says, what do you seek? You see, Jesus, Jesus didn't want to clean you up and fix you. He wants the old man to die. You must die that you might be born again. If you're in here in this place, listen. I want to say this first of all. If you're here this morning, you are not here by happenstance. I don't know why you think you're here, but I'm here to tell you this. The man of God standing before you this morning here to tell you this. You are here by the divine hand of God. God brought you here this morning. He brought you here because He loves you. He brought you here because He has not given up on you. You may have. Everybody else may have. But God has not given up on you. And if you think you're too far gone, I'm here to tell you this morning, quit believing the lies of the devil. You're not too far gone. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if you're in this place this morning and you don't know Him, I promise you, if you cry out to Him, He will save you. Give Him your life. What do you seek? They said to Him, they said to him Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. 
They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. You know, I love that. He met Jesus. He went and followed Him. What was the first thing He did? First thing. He went and told His brother. We need to continue to keep telling people. You know, this guy, he just found Jesus. I remember when I got saved, I told everybody. If I was pumping gas at the gas station, I'd be like, 30 second testimony. Can you believe I can talk that short? I was pumping at the gas station back. Hey, listen, I used to hate church people. I used to do drugs and drink. Jesus Christ changed my life. He's real and He loves you. By the way, I go to church across the way. I'd love to have you. I used to do that all the time. I remember for a few years, I remember thinking back. You ever been just revived? Remember in Psalm 51, David said, Restore to be the joy of your salvation. Sometimes, Christians, we need that restoration. God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. God, let me never forget. Let me not lose that zeal. I remember when I first got saved, the religious Pharisees and the Sadducees would be like, yeah, Branson, you'll get over it. Can I tell you, please, God, don't let me ever get over it. I ought to still have that same attitude. We ought to still go and tell people. We have to still be excited about what God's done for us. Every now and again, we need to stop and pray, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He went and first found his own brother. Hallelujah. When you're truly saved, when you're truly born again, a good telltale sign is, are you telling people? If you had some secret experience with God, I doubt you had one. I'm telling you, when you get saved, when God has changed you and plucked you from the, bar, from the darkness, oh man, I don't know about you, I'm one of those guys, if there's a lot of really good cake, I want you to have some too. Hey, when you get saved, when God has changed your life, when you realize you're in the darkness, headed to a devil's hell, and Jesus Christ changed your life, it'll make you want to tell somebody. Continue telling somebody. Hallelujah. Verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. Man, that's good. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. I love this. This is one of my favorite verses in all God's word. Verse 43. And the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Did you catch that? The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. And He, being Jesus, He found Philip and said, follow me. I don't know about you, but man, I love that verse. You know why? Because Jesus wanted to go there. And Jesus Himself went to go find Philip. And Jesus said, follow me. I heard it said before, the Holy Spirit's called Heaven's Hound. Friends, in that dark place where nobody can find you, He will come and He will find you. He will come and He will seek you out. I believe this in my spirit. I believe this in my heart. Right now, Jesus is seeking somebody out in this place. He has come and He has found you in a dark place where nobody else has seen, where nobody else has known. He has purposefully came to get you to say, follow me. He will come and find you. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel. Hallelujah. He found Jesus and he went and told somebody else. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. I like that response. 
What have you found? What is this? What was his response? Come and see. Can I tell you, church, those of you that are born of spirit, you ought to have confidence and boldness. I know my God's real. I don't need to get into some long argument and debate about this or that. It's too late to tell me. I've done met Him. I know Him. He's changed my life. We ought to have a confidence and say, hey, come and see. You hear about this God that's changed my life? Quit talking to me about it. Come and see. Find out for yourself. So, you know, one of the main things I, when I witnessed to people over seven years, one thing I always say is, seek and you'll find. Joplin's testimony always stuck with me. Seek and you'll find. Knock on the door. That's a promise from God's Word. Tell them to seek. Bible says, seek and you'll find. It's simple than seek. You, they know in their heart. Come and see for yourself. Go find out for yourself. Seek and you'll find Him. I'm confident of this. When God has placed the person before me, I'm confident of this. And if I pray, God's already seeking them out. Hallelujah. I'm confident if I just do my part and pray that Jesus Christ will reveal them to me. He don't need me. He don't need this church. God can do whatever He wants to. And yes, He uses pastors. He uses preachers. And He uses His church. But listen, a lot of events the day I got saved built up to me getting here. Why? Because Jesus Christ was seeking me out. Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, now listen, Nathanael's kind of wondering about what's going on. He comes to him. Jesus sees him while he's walking up. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. So Nathanael's walking up. He sees this guy named Jesus. And Jesus, that's pretty cool Jesus said that to him. Behold an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. And Nathanael's like, Verse 48, and Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Listen, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus said, Before he went and got you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. His response, Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. You notice, you notice that something kind of took place there that really wasn't in the story that we didn't really fully catch. I mean, what was he talking about? We saw you under the fig tree. What fig tree? Where? I don't know. But I can tell you this. Whatever it was, Nathaniel walks up and Jesus says, Behold the Israelite. There's no deceit. He says, How do you know me? He says, When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. We see by his response, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. I can tell you, whatever it was, it was personal and it pierced his soul. See, we don't know exactly, but we know this. Jesus said, I saw you. Can I say this? That day that I got saved, remember I told you I always thought I was alone? I remember that day being here. And that, same, that verse, in the same way, God spoke. I just remember the feeling of God seeing me that day. I remember God could look at me that day and say, Branson, all those times, I saw it all in my head. God said to me, I saw you. You see, I, I was never alone. I was just blind. The darkness had blinded me where I couldn't see Him. Can I tell you this? Right now, somebody in here, God's pursuing you. 
I don't know where you were last night. I don't know what you were thinking this morning. I don't know the dark places that you've been. But I want to say this. God knows. Listen. I'm talking to somebody. Listen. He saw you. He sees you. And He knows you. Nobody else knows the hurt. Nobody else knows the pain. But listen. He sees and He knows. And He brought you here to tell you He loves you and you're not too far gone. As our worship team comes, if God has spoken to you this morning, it's for a reason. God's brought you here this morning. It's for a reason. Don't let Jesus pass you by. Opportunities come and go. I believe with all my heart, and I don't say this to make it sound cooler or better, or I don't do this to hype up my testimony. I hope my testimony never speaks of me. I always do it to behold the Lamb of God. I want to say this though. I believe with all my heart, if I would have chose to stay, if I would have chose this way, for some reason it was all pointing this way and the altar was this way, maybe that's why. If I'd have gone the other way, I believe with all my heart I would have never lived physically to be past 25. It happened in October. I turned 26 in February. I believe with all my heart I would not have made it. Something even just hit me. I was 25. I was going to turn 26 on February 26th. It's my golden birthday. It just hit me. I never noticed that. I don't think I would have ever made it. I'm being honest. I think I physically would have died. I think I would be in hell right now. And I would have been one of those screaming. Many shall say, Matthew chapter 7, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I perform many miracles? Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? Lord, Lord. And Jesus would have said, depart from me. I never knew you. Listen. I said all that to say this. Opportunities pass. Don't let your opportunity pass this morning. Be saved. Be a man. Be a woman. Don't care about what anybody else thinks. They're not going to stand there when you stand before the Lord someday. Give your life to Jesus Christ.